Hi, this is Heidi. Episode 5, Circumstances and Thoughts. In life, there are two types of people, critics or creators. Who are you? Creating the confidence to live your best life is worth the investment. Thanks for joining me, friends. I never explained the very simple reason why my podcast has this name. Hi, this is Heidi. I'm sure you've been losing sleep over not knowing. So I'm going to give you the quick explanation. 23 or so years ago, back when we'd call friends on the phone and ask the person who answered if you could speak to your friend, I would call my friend Whitney. And when her husband, Jamie, answered, I always said, hi, this is Heidi. Is Whitney there? Well, they loved my odd Southern formality, and they started calling me, hi, this is Heidi, all the time. So when I told Whitney my plans to start a podcast and my conundrum about what to call it, she said, oh my gosh, there's no other name except, hi, this is Heidi. And I knew right then it felt right. So here we are. Also, I've created a three video course on how to love your teenager. Three short videos, a worksheet to complete, and bam, you can have more love for your amazing and maybe complicated or emotional teenager. You can sign up for this on my website, HeidiBenjaminson.com. I sent a few test emails to friends and one friend texted me that she had used the tips I gave in the video and they made a huge difference in how she felt about her teenagers. So give it a try. In today's episode, I'd like to go through an important foundation concept I teach. So stay with this episode, give me these few minutes, and I promise you're going to start looking at your life your thoughts and beliefs in a whole new way, an empowered way. So as I explained in episode one, I help clients see their brain. Their thoughts about circumstances in life create feelings, which fuel actions, which create the results they have in their lives. And as the highest evolved animals on the planet, we have the unique ability to use our higher brain to watch our thoughts or to be aware or reason or use logic. The circumstances of our lives are all neutral. They are just facts. They could be proven in a court of law and 100% of the people, not 99, would agree. The circumstances are the simple math of life. Anything that has happened in our past is a circumstance now. We then make meaning of our circumstances by having thoughts about what's going on around us. And depending on the expert, we know we have like 40,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Most of them are subconscious or instinctual and so deeply rooted in the neurons in our brain that we think that they are facts but they aren't. All of our thoughts are optional. Our brain wants to conserve energy, so it's much easier for us to just recall a thought we've practiced over and over and over than it is to stop 
and replace it consciously with a new intentional thought. And we'll talk about that more in a bit. Often when clients tell me their stories or when we tell people the stories in our lives, we think we're just telling them all the facts. Well, yes, my mean sister did this, and then I had to do this, and then come on, isn't it offensive? She did this, and then her son did this. Well, very little is true. Most are thoughts, opinions, judgments, and so forth. I listen to my clients share a problem they're struggling with, then we go through their stories, and we separate out what is a circumstance and what is a thought, an optional thought. And sometimes we don't agree, and it can take us a while to take the emotion and the drama out of a circumstance. So a mother might say, the messy living room is making her mad. If she is my client, I don't even let her put messy living room in the circumstance line. We just count how many items are on the floor and so forth, and we say 15 books are on the living room floor. Very neutral. Just math. Now, those books are just inanimate objects. They can't jump in her head and make her mad. All she knows is she's feeling mad. And that's the feeling. And if you're doing the coaching model that I taught you, that is going to go on the F line. We also know it's neutral because different people would have different thoughts about the room and the books. So I ask my client, why are the books on the floor a problem? This is where the thoughts pour out that are creating the anger. Thoughts such as, my kids should pick up after themselves, or I'm treated like a servant in my house, or I wish my husband helped out more, or my house is always so messy and I'm embarrassed by it. Okay, so here we go. The books are neutral. They just are. She's creating the feeling of anger or resentment by thinking those particular thoughts. And she's probably practiced those thoughts for many years, and they seem very real and true. And guess what? A lot of other people might agree with her, but not everybody will. Now, the awareness that the books don't make her angry, but the thoughts do, is so empowering and allows her to have more control over her thoughts and emotions. So our work is to see, is there another way to look at the books? Is it possible that something else is also true? How else can these books be interpreted? Now, she might choose to keep those first thoughts, and that's great. She now has the awareness that her thoughts are creating the emotion, but by exploring other thoughts like, okay, this room is messy and it's okay. I will ask my kids and my husband to clean up later. This mess is evidence my kids like to read. Or my kids were so excited to play outside because the weather's knife, they left the books here on the floor. Now, she doesn't have to move to these thoughts, but she can see that her thoughts aren't necessarily the only way to interpret the circumstance. So here's another example. Last week, I got on an airplane, and as I walked back to my seat, I passed a woman who was visibly very anxious and scared and crying. She was shaking, and the man next to her was holding her hand. And as I walked past them, I sympathized with the fear of flying that I just kind of assumed she was experiencing. 
Now, I'm not afraid to fly. My thoughts getting on the exact same flight were, I'm so glad I'm going home to my family. I'm so glad I have a window seat. Those thoughts made me happy and peaceful. Now, I'm making a ton of assumptions about this woman. And let me say, I'm afraid of a lot of things. I'm scared of dogs, but I'm not scared of flying. Now, if she was scared to fly, and maybe this could have been her first time flying, her thoughts about the exact same situation that I was in might have been, oh, I don't want to die. What if we're going to be hijacked? Oh, what if the pilot has a heart attack? Also, what if, for example, this woman had a brother die in a plane accident? Her thoughts and opinions feel very true to her based on her life experiences and perceptions. So whatever it was, her thoughts were creating the emotion and the feelings she had. And those are very real and legitimate emotions. But the plane wasn't causing the anxiety. Her thoughts were... We are all experiencing life differently because of the way we interpret life, what we are making things mean around the world and about us. And by gaining awareness of our thoughts, we take responsibility for the current results in our lives and we realize we have created our life and that we can create future results if we want. Now, I want to explain a little about our brain functions, especially our primitive brain, sometimes called the reptilian brain. This part of our brain kept us safe and alive and part of the pack for thousands of years. It automatically scans the world for any threats or negative things around us to protect us, but we don't have the physical or life or death threats that existed for much of the world's history. This primitive part of our brain, responsible for flight or fight, hasn't caught up with the types of threats that are now in the world. Just knowing that the brain is seeking out negativity, wanting to protect us, is good to know so we can be on to our brain and say, oh no, that isn't really a threat. I don't have to feel threatened if someone doesn't respond to my text, or I don't have to be offended when I'm the only one left out of a girl's night, or I don't have to feel like a bad mother when my child fails math, or I don't have to feel rejected maybe when my artwork isn't picked for the art show. I might choose those thoughts and emotions, but I don't have to. Our brains are quick to pick out the negative or make something mean, something negative about us, hoping to protect us from negative emotion. When in reality, we know we can handle any emotion and the danger isn't always life-threatening anymore. So let's look at more examples. Let's say I'm mad that the package I ordered for my daughter's birthday is arriving late and she'll be disappointed not to open anything on her birthday and it'll ruin her day and I hate FedEx and nothing works out the way I want it to and so on. So the only part of this story that's true and a circumstance is the package arrives on a specific date. Very neutral. Everything else is my interpretation of the circumstance, what I'm making it mean about what will happen because of the date it will arrive. The whole story is optional. It's all thoughts. I could choose to think, wow, 
I'm ecstatic. I live in a world with FedEx, or I'm so glad I saved myself a trip to the mall. My daughter will learn patience by waiting a day. I can also choose anger and disappointment, but I create the emotion, not something outside of me. Here are a few questions I want you to ask yourself when you're experiencing a situation or maybe see others reacting differently to yourself. What am I making this mean? Why is this a problem? And an awesome and simple question is, so what? These questions reveal our thoughts and beliefs about ourselves and our lives. The answers to these questions reveal the expectations we have created for ourselves and the people around us. When I can slow down and see my thoughts, I feel like I can put them on a board in front of me and look at them. I take inventory and I keep asking, why am I thinking that? And that then reveals even deeper thoughts, beliefs, fears, insecurities, judgments, and so on. I have been practicing this work very intentionally as a mother of teenagers. This weekend, I caught myself getting anxious about one of my children and a situation they were in. I paused and asked myself, why am I getting concerned? And I answered myself, well, I'm worried that he's going to handle this situation wrong. Then I asked myself, well, wouldn't I rather that he just be learning in this life? Isn't there more value in him learning by handling it right or wrong? And why do I think I have all the facts to determine what is right or wrong? This little conversation I had with myself really loosened up my controlling thoughts and allowed me to think more confident and positive thoughts. Okay, listen up. One of the most empowering concepts to learn is everything that's happened in our past is just a circumstance. We get to make our past mean whatever we want about ourselves. For years, I heard my mother say that her mother felt like a failure because she had gotten a divorce, and this was back in the 1960s. And I know it felt very real to her, but divorce is in the sea line. It's just a circumstance. If that's in our past, we get to decide what it means about us, what it means about our life. Does it mean we're a failure or a success that we got out of a marriage that wasn't working? Or can we make it mean that we're learning exactly what we need to learn in this life? Maybe that marriage was complete. One time I got a Christmas card from a good friend who I knew was going through a long divorce. In the card, she wrote how she and her now ex-husband had ended the chapter on their marriage. What a nice way to frame it, especially when children are involved. A good friend of mine, Debbie, who has since passed away, was adopted and had a good relationship with both her family and her birth family. She made the adoption mean something very positive about herself and all the people in the story. And by the way, she was just a very happy and positive person. And I know it's because she was able to interpret her life in a way to serve her. And this positivity and ability to choose love allowed her to have such positive relationships. She always spun life to mean something good, not negative. 
we can easily get caught thinking we're the victims of our past and keep retelling the sad stories over and over and it then becomes this new identity for us. So what is your favorite story to retell from your past that you think has maybe limited your experience or formed your identity? Do you like the story? And do you like the results it has created for you? And most often, those stories we retell have very little facts even left in them. Our past only exists in our mind. We can't experience any pain or happiness from our past. Only our current thoughts about the past will create today's emotion. And if we tell our story as if our past was painful, we will only find negative and painful evidence. But if we feel like we've had a wonderful life, we will focus on the wonderful. And doesn't that feel so much better? This concept is what makes my coaching unique in the world of coaching. Many coaches and therapists, they treat the symptoms that a client presents with. The life coaching model and the tools I've been trained in and continue to develop, and I just love, go to the root of the cause giving people so much more control over their lives. When we treat and nourish the roots of our minds or gardens, the fruit and the blooms of our lives will inherently be so much more healthy and true to our potential. So please subscribe to Hi, This is Heidi. Maybe share it with your friends. You can rate it and review on iTunes. And if you'd like a free coaching session to see how these tools can be applied to your life, please email me at Heidi at HeidiBenjaminson.com or sign up for a consult on my website. Have a fantastic week. <music>